And there's one last monster story to tell, and it's a story that tells us that we have a choice to truly live in Christ or to live a half-dead, half-alive existence. And we've been spending time and based out of Romans for this series, but today uh, I want to go to the words of Jesus, uh, which I, I really believe Romans is just a synthesized extrapolation of Jesus' words on faith, the cross, grace, righteous living, um, living and dying. Uh, so I want to go to his words directly in Matthew 16, and we'll read this together. Uh, well, I'll read it, and we'll listen together, and, and we'll, but you'll read on the screen. That's what I mean. Uh, so Matthew 16, verses 21 to 28, and Peter has, uh, Jesus has been with the disciples, and Peter has just now confessed Jesus as the Son of God, and Jesus has praised him for it, and then this is what happens next. From that time on, Jesus begins to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. First of all, I I don't know, if if you were around Jesus, would you ever think about rebuking him? I I mean, Peter just, he has the gall to do it, and, and obviously... His confession, he still hasn't grasped all of who the Messiah is, that he is the Son of God. But anyway, Peter rebukes Jesus and he says, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, and he adds more, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So... Peter is really thrown for a loop by Jesus' words. And when Jesus starts talking about dying, in his mind, he totally beep beeps the raise the life part. I mean, he just doesn't get it, doesn't equate. He just hears kill, 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 and that Jesus is going to die. And so in Peter's mind, that just doesn't sound like a good plan. I mean, Peter's mind, his plan is more like Jesus sweeps in with his revolutionary teaching all across the country and then uh, he uses his miraculous powers and healing and and just uh, touches so many people and he leads the masses into Jerusalem where they all march in and all the Jewish leaders and Roman leaders they just bow down to his awesomeness and just say yeah you should rule and and then Jesus sets everything right that is wrong I mean that's Peter's plan in his head And there is no dying involved. No dying whatsoever. And to grab it all, to go for the gusto, you got to be living. And Jesus turns around and flatly tells Peter, he has in mind the things of men instead of having in mind the things of God. Jesus goes on to explain this dying plan in contrast to the living plan of man that Peter has in his mind. 
Now, this plan that he's about to share is for not just him, but for all his followers. And so I apologize if this is the first time you have ever heard about Jesus' dying plan for his followers. If you got snookered into the Christian faith and everybody said, you come to Jesus and everything will be honky-dory, I am so sorry and I apologize that you didn't get the full message of the gospel. Uh, Today you're going to hear more of it, so hold on to your seats. Uh, Don't get too scared. Um, because it does end well where we're going here with this, all right? And, and for those of you who have heard this, you did know about this beforehand, I, I want you to know that there's something in here for you too, and I want you to hang on and listen. Stay tuned in, okay? All right, so Jesus says this. He explains to those who come after him. One, you got to deny yourself. you got to deny yourself. If you're going to come after Jesus, you got to say no to yourself, no to your sinful nature. Two, you got to take up your cross, and follow him. The cross being an instrument of death, an instrument of execution. The, the sinful nature has got to die. It's got to be killed. And you've got to follow him. He then adds to the impact of these words by saying, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life from me, you're going to find it. And then Jesus gives the gravity of the whole matter of this whole conversation and why it's important for us, why we're talking about it here today. He says, you can go after all the world has to offer, but what good is it if it costs you your soul? I mean, this whole denying your sin nature is a battle with our soul in the balance. That's what's going on here. And that's why we're talking about this today. So how do you lose your life for Jesus so you can find it? What does denying yourself and taking up your cross look like? And I want to try to describe this to you in the form of a monster story that's about soulless bodies called zombies. So zombie stories, just where did they come from? We know that zombies aren't real, but where did the stories come from? The stories originated from African and Caribbean culture and the myths that a soulless corpse could be called back to life by an evil spell. Now, today Hollywood has, has built on that and grown it out because, you know, you watch the old stories, you read the old stories, watch the old movies, it's just one zombie scaring people. And it's just not scary enough for us today. So they've they got, got zombies in packs now, and uh, you've got to have a whole bunch of them. And in all our stories and Hollywood stories, uh, zombie, zombie stuff is a contagion. All right. And so uh, and, and a zombie is, again, it's someone who's not quite dead, but not really alive. They're just somewhere in between. And, and every uh, movie story, uh, you know, if, if they bite you or they slobber on you, you're going to turn into someone not really alive and not really dead. Now, also in the movies today, it always seems that uh, when they move in packs, and, I, and they're always moving slowly. And I guess they're moving slowly because they're just not really alive. And if they were really alive, they could run. So, um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, your best bet in a zombie attack is to be in good shape and run. And now, in a moment, there is a little spiritual parallel to that, so just keep that in mind, all right? There is something in the Christian faith that we have to run after, okay? So keep that in mind. Uh, Now, a couple of modern zombie stories explain the cannibalism, and they say that it's a need to feel some sort of real life, because the zombie, you know, is half dead, half alive, and so... Uh, you know, I suppose maybe they're just jealous of the fully alive or something. Or it's just part of the zombie job description, you know, go make more not really alive, not really dead people. Uh, now, in some zombie stories, uh, if you're in a, in a zombie attack, 
you got, you got two main goals, okay? Your first goal is, is uh, one, don't get bit by the slow-moving zombie munchers. Don't get by, bit by them. So run. That is, is your big strategy. And, uh, and, and then your second goal, it depends on your take with your, your zombie story. You might fall into the category that you're just one of those who destroys zombies. So you try to get them all the way dead. Now, that, that might be your second goal. Help get, get those zombies all the way dead. Now, you might be on the other side of things where, no, my best friend or my relative, they got turned into a zombie, and so I want a zombie cure. I want to find the antidote. And so that would be your second goal if you were in a zombie attack. So that's that with zombieism and zombie stories. Here are the zombie spiritual parallels. We don't need to talk anymore about the details. We don't want to scare kids. So spiritually, there are a lot of people in this world that are zombies. They're not really dead, but they're not really alive. They are soulless corpses that somehow move about chasing after life. And in the scriptures, we see some of the walking dead. Did you know there's, there's a couple of zombies in the Bible? I'll show them to you. In the story of the prodigal son who went chasing after life, he forfeited his, forfeited his soul by forfeiting his relationship with his father and was described as dead. Get this. See this. When, when the son returned to the father, the father said, we have to be celebrate and glad, be glad because this son of mine was dead. But now he is alive again. Now, you might be going, wait a minute. No, he went off to a foreign land. He squandered all his father's money with partying and prostitutes and stuff. And it's like, no. In the father's eyes, he was dead. He, he was just kind of alive and kind of dead. So now there's another zombie in, in, the, in scriptures. In a letter from the Apostle Paul to his young mentor, Timothy, Paul's giving some instructions uh, to, on who the church is to help uh, and, and not help. And one of the not help is the widow who lives for pleasure. And why? Because the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Zombie. In fact, the Bible indicates we were all once part of the walking dead. Remain, re reminding Christ's followers, you were once dead in your sins. And you're like, wait a minute, no, I was born, I came into this life, I cried, I sucked my thumb, I pooped my pants, I did all those things. And, and I was like, no, came in, your spirit was dead. Dead because of sin, sin nature. You were just kind of half alive, half dead. So the walking dead, those not really dead but not really alive, are quite numerous and what is it they're chasing after? They're chasing after being alive. They want to find out what will make them feel alive. Jesus described it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. But your father knows that you need them. So you've seen it. You've seen it, these, these not really dead, not really alive people, trying to take hold of things that they think will make them really alive. They, they travel in packs to chase after the latest fashion to wear. They chase after the latest market energy drink. They, they pursue pleasures found in the coolest restaurants, bars, and, and pursue pleasures found in those places in the hangout scenes. They move in packs after the latest adrenaline adventure because maybe that will make them feel alive. And then you got all those who watch them and try to vicariously 
actually live through them in their daring adventures. And if there aren't any adrenaline junkies in proximity, then you'll find the walking dead trying to live through video games because real life has no adventure for them any longer. You'll find more of the walking dead in front of screens, sucking up information from the internet or trying to collect friends on a social space because maybe enough knowledge or a certain number of friends on a list will make them feel alive. You have to watch out for the not really dead, not really alive because sometimes they prey upon relationships thinking that if they just had the right girlfriend or the right boyfriend then they would really be alive. Their heart would start beating again. The walking dead are all around us and those who are really alive need to watch out or you'll get bit with the same contagion and you too will be tempted to chase after these lifeless things that will never make you feel alive. There is a cannibalism out there and you can get a taste for it and you can become addicted to a soulless existence and you have got to watch out. It sneaks up on you. It sneaks up on you in, in some of the shows and TV things that we watch that spout philosophies to us and we don't realize it. You know some of those shows where people put themselves out there to be performed and judged and all of America along with the judges, what do we do? We eat them for lunch. Thumbs down, thumbs up. We rip into them. In the tabloids, we read and see pictures of movie stars, music stars, sports stars who are on destructive paths, making choices that all the world can see, and we tear into them and eat them up like food, waiting for the next terrible choice, wondering what will happen. We observe, read, and watch choices of others, watching them live out failure, watching them live out success, while never making any choices ourselves, never taking any risk of real life. Watch out. Zombies are on the loose. Watch out. Don't get bit and become one of the not really dead, not really alive. What does Jesus say if you really want to be alive? If you really want to live? Jesus says, don't chase after zombies. I mean, don't chase after what the pagans chase after. Your Father in heaven knows you need that stuff. But instead, first chase after the kingdom of God and right relationship with God. This is the thing that we're to run after, folks. Those of you who are alive, you're meant to run after something. And this is what you're meant to run after, the, his kingdom and right relationship with his. Jesus says, if you really want life, you can't go down the broad path that the pack runs down. You'll have to choose a more narrow road. Jesus says, if you really want to live, you're going to have to lose your life for him. I mean, what good is it if you go zombie and chase after the things of the world and get all you wanted, but then end up soulless? What good is that? A man or woman's life does not consist of how much you got, your possessions. Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, don't forfeit your soul like that. Jesus says, if you really want life to really feel alive, then you got to die. You got to deny yourself and take up your cross. And I want to tell you right now how you can take hold of life that is really life. 
This is what it looks like to die, to really kill the zombie in you, to really find the antidote that will make you fully alive. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You start with him first because he can resurrect you out of a zombie state and make you really alive. Believe in his life. Believe in his death. Believe in his resurrection. And you will resurrect too. We've talked about it before. It's like the the guy in the pig pen. And you got to have a realization that, man, being in the pig pen sucks. And you want to get out of there because it's much better with your father. And it would be great to be with him. And there's got to be some sort of returning, a turnaround in your mind and your heart where you're no longer chasing after the pig pin stuff, but you're chasing and going back towards your father. And there's got to be something there where you just got to receive. Receive all the father wants to give you to bring you back as his child, as his son and his daughter. And once you do that, once you've been made alive You've got to run after the kingdom and right relationship with the Father instead of chasing the things that zombies chase after. When you choose that at first, it's going to feel like you're losing life instead of finding life. When you first do that. But that might be the first clue that you're doing it right, that you're doing it Jesus' way. You're going to feel like Peter but, but Jesus, to suffer under the religious leaders and be mistreated and killed, that, that doesn't sound like the path to life. Look, to really follow Jesus, you're going to have to choose to deny those things that your flesh wants. Those things that you think will make you alive, but really won't. And this is the part of the choice that you have as a Christ follower every day. You choose to become a living sacrifice described in Romans 12.1. Dear God, here are my hands, my feet, my mind, my heart, my eyes, my ears, my mouth. I, I offer all of me, all up to you as a living sacrifice to be an instrument of righteousness, not an instrument of wickedness. I want to be used by you for good, and I want to be moved. I want to be walking with you, abiding in you. But when you do that, you're choosing one over the other, and you're denying the things that your flesh wants. You are alive, but you deny yourself chasing after that certain pleasure or fad. And in denying yourself that choice, that part of you that wanted it is crucified and dies. You lose what you wanted. You lose what looked like life. And now Jesus says, since you did that for me, since you sacrificed for me, since you lost life for me, you're going to find life. And I'm going to make sure of it. Now, you will have people in your life who will be like Peter. And they're going to come up to you and say, Now, you don't need to deny yourself that. Come on now. You, you deserve a break today. You, you, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't miss out on doing this thing or this event. And when you know what it is that you're to lose for Jesus and someone tries to talk you out of it, try to talk you out of being a living sacrifice, you're going to have to respond the same way Jesus did. Get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't suggest that you say that out loud to that person, but you can say it in your heart. And uh, and I suppose if you're in dire need, you might need to say it out loud. But, you know, some of you parents, you need to let your kids make some tough spiritual decisions. It's easier to take up your cross, but it's awfully hard to watch your kids take up their cross, isn't it? You want to prevent the suffering, don't you? 
but you can't carry it for them. It's something you've got to let them do or you're going to destroy their chance for real life. Let them sacrifice. Don't stop them. Look, you know, we all need to get used to the fact that as Christ followers, we're going to see our brothers and sisters not get what their flesh wants. You're going to see your Christ follower friends lose life. Don't try to prevent them from sacrificing. Don't slow them down so they get bit with that zombie zombie contagion. Don't feel sorry for them because they aren't losing. They're gaining. Listen to the word of God, 2 Corinthians 4.11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life might be revealed in our mortal bodies. Why is this fight with the sinful nature so important? Why is it, is it so important that we kill the monster within? Because when we do, Jesus Christ is revealed in our life. That's why the monster has got to die. That's why it's got to be slayed. That's why you've got to be into this fight. And you can't let yourself be turned into a zombie. Listen to what Peter later learned about this choice to truly live by dying. 1 Peter 3.10 Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. In other words, turn from your own evil desires, your sinful nature wants, and return to God. Peter says there's life in that. And then... I know some of you might be just like, but, but those things that feel like life, that look like life, what if I lose my chance at them? What if I never get to taste those things, experience those things? And you fear that you're going to lose that. Well, listen to Peter again. He says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Look, because of his goodness, this call to lose your life for him Jesus says, by my power, I'm going to give you everything you need for life and living for me. He has given us everything we need for life. He has given us everything we need for life. I mean, this is the motto, the cry of the zombie resistance. So you can repeat after me. He has given us. Everything we need for life. One more time, repeat. He has given us everything we need for life. All right, band, you can come on up here. Look, I want you to know that if you have been walking around, not really dead, not really alive, chasing after things that you thought held life, it's not too late. It's not too late. There is a cure for the contagion that you have. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He can make a dead soul fully alive. And if you've been made alive by Jesus, but you forgot and started running with the zombie pack, chasing after worthless things, it's not too late. Jesus will forgive you, and he will help you sacrifice those wants and those desires. It's not too late to kill the zombie in you. See, Jesus is the antidote and the zombie slayer at the same time. Life and resurrection is in him. But also, we're told that we can be crucified with Christ. It's what crucified with Christ is what we call it in the Christian faith when we die. 
And I encourage you with everything I got and everything the Spirit has, lose your life for Jesus and mark the day that you were crucified with Christ and you will gain everything. But if you try to gain everything without Jesus, you're going to have nothing. You're going to lose it all. Well, I want to thank you for attending Monsters University. Today is your graduation day. Ready or not, you've got to figure out what you're going to do. Are you going to choose Jesus as the controlling power of your life? Or are you going to choose yourself as the controlling power? Are you going to take off the grave clothes? Or are you going to keep up making excuses that you can't change? Are you going to do this life all alone like the werewolf? Or are you going to choose to connect and live out life with the people of this church? Are you going to end the confusing myths about Christ followers, vampires, and, and let the people around you get close enough to see you as a child of day? Or are you going to keep living like a child of night? Are you going to chase after the world in a half-dead existence? Or are you going to lose your life for Jesus and really live? The choice is before you today. So I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to worship and during this time of worship, it's a time for us also to pray. Sometimes our songs are prayers, and sometimes our prayers become songs. And so in this moment, um, we're going to offer prayer. And if you're someone who's finding yourself that the word of God today, the message, is struck a chord with you, and that this is your struggle, that you do have choices before you, and you need help to make the right choices and you're ready for a brother and sister in Christ to pray with you, then come up forward during this song, all right? I'll be up here. My wife Sherry's here. Some of our other gel leaders will be up front to pray with you. Let's worship.